Welcome to week nine of the college football season, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Never Ending Glory College Football Podcast. Matt Monner, your host. The usual suspects along with me, Sean Z, Nick Schilling, Jason Farkas. Guys, um, I don't know about you, but as a Tribe fan, I, I'm glad we're, uh, we're, we're recording this on Thursday night. Obviously because the Indians played Wednesday on our normal night. And uh, I kind of need this day off more than the baseball players do, I think. I'm... I am perfectly content to be sitting in my living room right now doing absolutely nothing except talking football. 100%. I'm just trying to you know, buy a little time, get geared up for this weekend. we got to find a way to at least get one, obviously. But, damn, I'd love to get game three and then have Klub on the bump in four. Drinking a lot of water, guys. Let's get, hi- let's get hydrated. we got three straight. I heard oh, that. Oh, boy. You know what? I mean, it's pretty clear. All of us have been focused on baseball pretty heavily for the last month or so. And unfortunately, it kind of shows in our picks because uh, the three of us last week were under 500 again. Nick Schillig, though, lit it up last week on the picks. 10-4-1 for Big Schill. Three-game lead overall. Congratulations, Schill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we got a new leader. I, I don't know if you guys heard. Do you remember in Halo? You guys play that in college where they just keep saying, gain the lead. You guys are going to hear that in your sleep. Gain the lead. Gain the lead. Yeah, I ain't going to be dreaming about nothing but to try being up 2-1 with Kluber on the bump game four. The good news is, guys, we were 2-1 with our consensus picks last week, so that brings us to 500 on the year in that department. Um, but let's real quickly go uh, back into last week's games, a few of the highlights from last week. Uh, unfortunately, the, the first quote-unquote highlight will actually be a low light for old Farky here. The Ohio State Buckeyes were knocked off at Penn State last week. And you know what? I'll give Buckeye fans some credit here because, you know, generally, Buckeye fans as a whole, this isn't an indictment on you, Farky, but they're not the most level-headed group at times. But you know what? I didn't hear a lot of people panicking after that loss on Saturday night because I think most people realize that the Buckeyes are still in pretty good shape when it comes to making the playoff if they can just win out, which is very doable. So, uh, Farky, I'll let you start it off here and talk about what happened on Saturday night because it sure looked like for three quarters of the game the Buckeyes had the game well in hand and then things kind of really unraveled there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, this this was not a good game in terms of finish, that's for sure. And we'll get into a little bit more later about uh, control and destiny and things of that nature. But, you know, my big takeaway from this game was it, it was such a statistical anomaly. I mean, the Buckeyes had... 19 first downs. They didn't turn the ball over. They had over 400 yards offense. Um, Those those things really stick out. And then you look at the score at the end of the game, they lose the game. Um, Buckeyes did not do well converting on third down. And I think that the glaring issue in this game was the offensive line play and situation that they put themselves in. They had a lot of long second downs. Um, they, They don't really do well in those situations. They were nine for 22 on third down. Um, usually they, they take big chunks of yardage on first down and set themselves up good for for the remainder of the uh, of the four. But uh, in this case, uh, really a, a lot of the a lot of the blame fell on right tackle Isaiah Prince. And I, I haven't read anything this week. Maybe some of you guys have some insight on what they're doing with him, or if maybe uh, for the sake of um, confidence, they're just going to stick with him and, and let him play through some of these things. But uh, re- really disappointing, especially when you give up. Um, more of a concentration play at the end of the game when when Penn State took that long blocked field goal uh, down to take the lead and ultimately win the game. But uh, for me, those those are some of the big glaring takeaways. Yeah, six sacks for Penn State, and then they did kind of tee off on JT Barrett there, uh, especially in the second half. So, uh, Sean, did you catch this game? What did you think of it? Uh, well, I was at a wedding, actually. Did not get, get to catch a lot of it. I did kind of... Um, you know, catch, uh, catch some of the, the stuff afterwards and, and looking through some of the statistics. I still think the Buckeyes are putting way too much in JT Barrett's hands and not enough in Samuel and Weber out of the backfield. Um, Weber in particular, he, he, there's some advanced stats, you know, after contact yards. Um, he's he's out averaging what Ezekiel Elliott had last year. So, so, you know, those types of things are, are clear indicators to me that he, A, needs to get the ball more, and, and B, you need to find different, more ways to, to utilize him in, in that, not just some of the same basic plays they're doing. 
it, it seems like he's only getting the ball, you know, on the read option runs, and then every once in a while it's like kick out options off of uh, play action and, and, and dump offs. They, they've got to find more creative ways to get him the ball, just as they did, you know, Zeke back in, in Zeke's sophomore season. And then, you know, last year obviously went through spells of doing the same thing. It's just it's it's a gap in their play calling and just kind of their whole offense. The other thing is is they really did dominate for three three and a half quarters by all accounts. Yeah, they have basically two special teams plays. It, that's a testament to not being able to finish drives. And what and that's usually young players and just kind of the inability to kind of you know focus for those last couple plays to really pin it down. And they settle for getting in third and two and fourth and two too much. It, they've got to find a way to finish, um, you know, in, in these later downs that aren't long distances either. They they got to just finish these these um, possessions better. That makes it difficult though when the, you know they're they're headed into second and twelve, second and nine, second and eleven, things like that. Yeah, I was watching this game all along with the baseball game. I was actually at uh, Jerry's house. Uh, Jerry, star of the original Never Ending Glory podcast, had a little get together, and uh, I left his house when it was twenty one seven, thinking that it was a wrap, and uh, picked it up on the radio on the way home and heard the block field goal, and I could not believe that Penn State took the lead. So. Um, yeah, you're exactly right, Sean. I mean, this was a pretty one-sided game. Even though the score was fairly close, at no point did you think Ohio, Ohio State was in danger of losing the game. And to let it slip away like they did down the stretch was uh, pretty shocking. How much of this do you put on the, on the coaching staff in terms of game preparation? A lot of it. I mean, setup. the fact of the matter is, is you can blame Isaiah Prince, but they, they see Isaiah Prince practice. They know he's got some shortcomings. So, you know, in, in some sense, you've got to find ways to protect them a little bit, too. And, and you know, you also can't make the plays for the kids. They had a touchdown on the one where Parrish Campbell just doesn't run an out properly and Barrett throws the ball way too hard that he had tons of room to put a little loft on it at the goal line. So, you know, some of those things you can't execute for them. It's drawn up perfectly. It's it's right there, but you know, you just have to put the finishing touches on some things. So, it's a combination of it. And truth be told, it's it's kind of a good thing to have. You have it here. You can still win. Um, I think with tiebreakers, you can still win that end of, of the Big Ten. Yep. And uh, as long as you take care of business. And, and if you do that, you're going to be in that top four. Um, you know, it'd be similar to two years ago. That said, you know, there's there's a Goliath waiting there in the in the playoffs. And whoever's in that four spot, they're in a tricky, tricky place. I was at Cedar Point, but I did. Uh, we started driving home with about nine minutes left, and I didn't get to see it, so maybe you guys can elaborate. But the three things I heard, we kind of touched on a couple of them, was the O-line play, the play calling. But one, one thing we didn't mention is they talked about it a lot in the postgame as I was driving home was that those their, their receivers really aren't, weren't getting separation either. So it was really hard for JT Barrett to throw it down the field because th- th- they were covered pretty well. So I, I don't know if you guys can elaborate on that at all since I didn't see it. Yeah, I don't know. You got to watch the, the wider film. The coaches see that a little bit. I, are their routes distinguishing and allowing them to get open too? I mean, are, are they running some of these guys off uh, to clear space somewhere else? I mean, that touchdown's wide open. Um, it's just the throw's not there, and, and the receivers will touch slow out of his break. Uh, so, and I mean, they got ball open a couple of different times. I don't know. The separation thing is tough because. It, there's a lot more factors than just run real fast and make a move and you're open. Yeah, the, the really the the unique thing about this game is is Barrett threw the ball 43 times, so it really was an opportunity for some of these wide receivers to get more of a flow than what they've been used to this season instead of just constantly blocking for the run and things of that nature. But um, it just it seemed to be a lot of the same of what we've seen. But you, pretty much so entirely. you're you're controlling the game and he has to throw 43 times. You, if the coaches feel like the receivers aren't getting open, then why are you throwing it 43 times? Like, there's just – you can't have, like, these handful of reasons and none of them kind of seem to tie together at all. Um, if your receivers aren't getting open or, you know, the offensive line was struggling to block pass block, why would you throw 43 times? And You know, why would you do that when you're up two scores for most of the game too? So – there's just it's just one of those quirky games. Two special teams touchdowns against you, or at least close to it, basically. Um, you know, you just kind of learn from it, move on, and, and try and finish out the season as best you can. 
Yeah, and, and like we talked about, and we'll get to this here in a minute. I mean, I, I looked up the tiebreaker scenarios. They went out there in the Big Ten title game with a chance to go to the playoff. We'll get there in a second. Let's talk about the other marquee game from last week, or really the, the big marquee game, the only one, was uh, number one Alabama hosting number six Texas A&M, and the Crimson Tide roll 33-14. to And the one thing that stood out from this game for me is how many times have we seen this happen? Alabama goes down 14-13 early in the third quarter. Texas A&M scores on the first possession of the third quarter, takes the lead, and to me, there's no better team in the country at responding in these situations. Alabama takes the ball. They go on a 14-play, 77-yard drive, just methodical down the field, and get a touchdown, take momentum back. Now, I do want to bring up, there was a roughing the passer call on Texas A&M on third down early in that drive that really changed the momentum of the game and gave Alabama second life on that drive. They ended up capitalizing and going in and scoring on a touchdown and rolled from there. But, you know, it seems like, when Alabama needs to make a drive or needs to make a play, every single time they do it, and that's why they're still the best team in football. Yeah, I mean, it, it pays to have you know an offensive line that that averages three fifteen, that's mean and nasty, and probably averages you know four point six four on the five star rating, and uh, you know defensive front that probably has kind of some of the similar. Dis- yeah, actually, just to go off that point, I heard on the radio Gary Danielson was being interviewed. Um, on a radio show the other day, he said that 80 of their 85 scholarship players were four or five stars. 80 of Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that was the reaction. That. And that was the reaction. 300 yards rushing again. 300 yards. Somebody had better stop the run because they, they are so efficient with moving the ball downfield. This game, uh, I watched, I flipped back and forth, watched some of this game too. This game wasn't even close to what that score showed. They had two turnovers, which they typically don't have. In the, in the times they didn't score, they moved the ball almost entire way down the field, got stopped. In, in Texas, Texas A&M never really had a chance unless they went the entire way down the field to score. It was they're good. They're very good. Yeah, they're really good. And, and let's let's kind of roll this into a college football playoff discussion here, because the, the first committee rankings come out next week, I think Tuesday. And, you know, obviously Alabama's going to be number one. We know that. Do we see any potential pitfalls for them until the end of the regular season? I mean, they, they have at LSU next week, which is a little bit tricky. Uh, but then Auburn at home, an SEC title game against, you know, Florida or Tennessee, and they already smashed Tennessee. Any, you guys see any scenario where they're not undefeated going to the playoff? No. No, and, and I actually think a one-loss Alabama gets in. I, I think you, you can already, you're, you can already put them in the playoff even if they lose a game, no matter where it is. So I looked it up. They're 17.5-point favorites when they play Auburn, so that Iron Bowl probably looking like a blowout as well. So I, I think you can put them in, and even if they trip up somewhere, I think they're in with one loss no matter where it, when it happens. Okay, so that was an easy one. So are we all in agreement that Michigan's number two? Yes. And that's clear, right? I mean, they're they're yeah. pretty much they're they're smooth sailing until Ohio State, and that's at Ohio State. Um, I mean, I would say Clemson's probably an easy three at this point at Florida State, and then a- ACC title game for them that that could maybe trip them up, and then Washington's probably your four, and then you have Ohio State and Louisville sitting there at five and six, waiting for somebody to lose. Ohio State's kind of got it in their hands, as we said, if they went out and beat Michigan and get to the Big Ten title game, they're probably going to be in. Louisville's the team that. I think is in a little bit of trouble because that Houston game now all of a sudden isn't going to carry nearly as much weight, and the rest of their schedule outside of Florida State and the Clemson loss is garbage. Well, so here's the thing with Louisville. You didn't schedule anybody, so you don't deserve to have the level of discussion or at least you're you're a notch down. So so just kind of preempting this whole argument that could come about, you can't schedule you know, school for the blind and this is the Baylor argument that, oh, well, if we have one loss and they have one loss, and but we're the consensus champs in our conference or whatever. I mean, Louisville won't be that. But you, you, you can't schedule cupcakes. And these teams that don't that, – that schedule quality teams and maybe take a loss at some point in the season but beat a quality team, uh, whether neutral or on the road, they should get more points for that. Yep. And Washington has to feel really good about where they're at because unless they have just a complete letdown game, if you look at the rest of their schedule, unless they they give up a ton of points or something to Washington State or somehow Utah plays just out of their minds this week, it, 
they're going to finish undefeated. You think so? You're that confident? I mean, just if, if we go by if we go by what we've seen so far this year and the teams we've talked about and the games we've talked about, they have Utah, Cal, USC, Arizona State, and Washington State. I mean, do any of those teams scare you guys? No, no. I mean, Washington State would be the one. Yeah, team. that's and that's at Washington State in the Apple Cup, and then they're going to have a Pac-12 title game as well. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of games there that could be a little bit tricky this week included. I mean, there I don't think they're that juggernaut that's invincible that's going to just run roughshod over everybody. I don't know. We'll talk about that. No, no, I I don't either. But I'm just saying in terms of if you look on paper at the remaining schedules for the teams we're discussing, I would say that they have to feel probably the most confident. They 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 have to feel pretty good. The the only team that uh, actually in that, including the Pac-12 title, I think Wazoo's is actually a pretty good team. I think Leach has got them clicking. and They do some things that are unconventional and are tough to match up against, you know, Washington could pin their ears back against some of these teams that, you know, have a depleted offensive line or a quarterback that struggles or, or receivers that don't get open. Washington's going to get open. They're going to find ways to protect enough, and that quarterback, Falk, can sling it. That game's going to be exciting because you know Leach is going to just be full bore in that game. We're going to see some exciting plays, some play calling, and they're going to air it out. Sean, by unconventional, do you mean choosing captains because they're on the prices right? That's absolutely right. He, hey, he, it doesn't lie. He's a winner. <laughs> and he's, according to Mike Leach, he's great at calling heads and tails, too. His percentage is outstanding. <laughs> he's Mike, Leach is, Mike Leach is he's getting favorites with us. He's, he, he's voting for the tribe because he's sick of the yuppie Cubs fans, which is fantastic take, too. It, it, it reminded me of Michael Scott in the office saying that he was a fantastic bingo player. <laughs> I'd offer a left pinky to get Mike Leach on this pod. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, listen, this is what's weird about the rankings, right? So when they come out next week, Louisville will probably be ranked ahead of Ohio State because of what they did to uh, Florida State and the fact that they hung with Clemson. But I see no scenario where both teams went out and Ohio State doesn't get in. So that's what is weird about these rankings, right? Louisville's going to be ahead of Ohio State, but we know that really Ohio State is ahead of Clemson or uh, Louisville, I should say. Yeah, I mean they can play themselves in. I, I think Alabama's in. Alabama's in for sure. The Michigan Ohio State winners in, and if Clemson finds a way to win this week, I think they went out as well. I'm not too worried about their ACC championship game. So I agree. The the debate might come down to a one loss Washington versus a one loss Louisville. Unless I guess Virginia Tech could win out and beat Clemson, then they have an argument. Or West Virginia's got to play yeah. or a chance to roll the table as well. So yeah, there's there's three. Baylor's not. So. Yeah, there's three undefeated teams still with, I guess, a pulse. Nebraska, Baylor, and West Virginia. If they went out, they could have some argument. I mean, really, Virginia even, Tech's got Virginia Tech's got two losses. They're yeah, they're yeah, out. they're not. Yeah, they're out. Florida actually has one loss, and if they went out, that could be no. interesting. That, that team is. I, I they no, might I'm not win one more, more game out. the rest of the year. I'm not saying they're going to win out. I'm just saying they actually probably still have a chance to do something because of their schedule. I got a chance for a lot of things, and. You know, that don't mean a of beans. Fair enough. Fair don't, enough. Tell, don't tell those folks down where I'm from about that. Texas A&M, any shot at all if they run the table and look good in doing so? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, because with, with the way we're saying Alabama's in, the Big Ten champions in, Washington might be in, it's going to be very hard to get two SEC teams in. Yep. You, you'll need a situation where – the Ohio State Michigan winner then loses in the yes. Big Ten championship. Like you'll need that and some of those types of things to to happen. Yeah, just things to think about because as we've seen in college football, things get a little wild when the calendar turns to November, and that's right around the corner. Let's get into some of these games in Week Nine, and let's start with the Friday night game. Uh, that's Navy at South Florida, and uh, well, we know that Navy broke our hearts last week, those of us that had Memphis. And we'll get to that later. Who would have taken Memphis on this pod? We, no. all, we all make fun of Memphis, no. I thought. Some of us make regrettable decisions from time to time, Farky. That was mine last week. Man, you guys just keep on riding old Memphis, Matt. Yeah, he's a loser. <laughs> and so are they. We'll, we'll get to them. But let's talk with, talk Navy first here. <laughs> this is a six-and-a-half-point spread for South Florida. Um, any thoughts on this game here, Shil? I'm worried about um... – South Florida's quarterback. I would have this game opened up at eight. I actually would bet it at eight. Uh, at six and a half, I'm still going to take Navy. I really haven't seen a lot of South Florida other than seeing Dalvin Cook run all over them. So I'll take the option team and take uh, Navy in this one. 
That's where I am too. Uh, I just thought it was too many points. You know, I think it's a close game, kind of a coin flip. But um, anytime I'm getting six and a half, I'll, I'll jump at that. Yeah, Flowers for for South Florida. He might be dinged up a little bit. If he can't play, then they it could be pretty challenged. South Florida seems to have a hard time stopping the run, so I'll take Navy. I'm going to take Navy as well. Same points as you guys made it. Navy's going to run the ball, and USF's have a ton of trouble stopping the run. And I think both teams are going to score. So in that scenario, I'll take the points. I'll take six and a half there. Penn State at Purdue, and this is the spot of all spots for an underdog. And Purdue's getting 13 and a half at home. As much as Farky likes to dog Schillig and I, we are actually 2-1 and one betting Purdue this year, and I think I might have to do it again, or at least on the podcast I'm going to take Purdue. And this, again, is just a total spot play. They actually were competitive last week against Nebraska, even though they lost. And, you know, the big question here is, will Penn State be up for a noon road game against a team that has an interim coach who's been bad all year? Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's... Barky touched on Penn State outgained and everything. I, I think the win last week is deceptive. I think this is probably, I don't know, show maybe from my vantage point, maybe three points too much. Um, I, I'm taking Purdue. I, I think the line should be around 10. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, we'll get in a bunch of games coming up that I hate. I actually do like this one. Much to the chagrin of Farky, I'm going to be on Purdue again. Ugh. And I might actually put a little bit of lunch money on the money line. Call me crazy, but, yeah, I might do a little 50-50 bet there and try, try to get lucky. The one thing that scares me about this bet, and, Sheila, we've talked about this before, everybody and their brothers on Purdue this week, and that scares oh, me. Oh, I oh mean, boy. just, you know, people that we trust and follow on Twitter that, you know, are pretty sharp, they all yeah. love Purdue. And that's scary because when everybody agrees – Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Very, very deep take by Purdue, or, uh, by Penn State's assistant coach who said, if, if we turn around and lose to Purdue this week, what good's the Ohio State win? We got to win this week. So I'm taking Nittany Lions. <laughs> uh, he didn't say cover, though. Yeah, he yeah, I was going to say, there, there's a difference between winning and covering. They are Penn perfectly State. fine winning a game 10-3. to 3. <clears throat> Penn State's linebacker said, after the game, this is the team that we are, the team that beat Ohio State this week. So if they're better in Ohio State, then they got to be better in Purdue. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Let's talk about one of our favorite characters in football, the Hog. Dana Holgerson has, yeah. has an undefeated top 10 football team, and we're almost in November. Wouldn't that be fun to see him in a playoff? That would be great. But he's got a tough matchup at Oklahoma State this week on the road. They're favored by three and a half. I'm going to let Farky take the first crack at this one. Well, I'm undefeated with the Hulk this year, so I'm going to keep rolling with him. I, they're, they're a fun team to watch, especially with his his colorful sideline antics. So uh, I think they'll I think they will have their hands full, but I do think they win. I think they cover. I, I like them this week. Hey, you know where my allegiances lie. I'm with the Hulk through and through. You know what? My, we got voting coming up. I might do a write in on the Hulk. The Hulk and hug. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that ticket. Hulk leech. Oh, well, you guys are going to hate it too. I, I, I think this is a tricky spot, I think. It's actually going to be an 11 a.m. kick. Um, I do tend to actually agree that it is a, it's a tricky game. I I just I like the team with the defense. That, that's yeah, where I kind of I agree with it. that. Um, Oklahoma State's off, you could call it two straight buys, an actual bye week, and then they played Kansas. So they've, ha- they've been prepping for this game for three weeks. So um, give me uh, Okie State at home. I am actually going to take Oklahoma State as well. I, I love the Hogue. But I'm not still not sold on his team yet. I mean, their defense has played well. I'll give them that. But they're 15th in scoring defense in the country. They're 57th in yards allowed. So maybe a little bit misleading there in terms of their defense. At some point, I think somebody in the Big 12. They play in the gonna, Big 12. I mean, aren't those naturally inflated because it's you know it's it's a basically a run and shoot conference. Right, but what I'm saying is they're giving up yards but not giving up points. I think at some point somebody in the Big 12 is going to put some points on them, and I'm going to say maybe it's this week. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State getting three and a half at home. That's called regression of the mean, Sean. That's the universe. There's plenty of defenses that that are better out, you know, there's 20 to 20 offenses, and a lot of them are in the Big 12. Correct. I actually think it's a skill to to lock up and and play better defensively. I I think that – a team like Clemson has been that way this year, where inside the 20s, they've actually been particularly good. It, it's you know, some of the extra stuff where they haven't been. We shall see. 
we have a two 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 split on that one, so we'll see how it shakes out. Michigan and Michigan State, a rivalry game, and who would have thought at the beginning of the year that this line would be what it is? Twenty four and a half. Michigan is favored at Michigan State. Michigan State has been flat out awful. I don't think anybody would dispute that. They're terrible. But I am not passing this number up at home in a rivalry game. I'm taking the 24-and-a-half here. I think Michigan's been on cruise control for about a month, and maybe this is a spot where Michigan State can hang around. What do you guys think, Shell? I agree with that. I mean, D'Antonio can walk out there with 22 midgets, and I'm not laying 24-and-a-half. So, yeah, uh, give me Michigan State. Everything says Michigan State, and I'm taking Michigan. Um Michigan State sucks. I have a feeling I'm going to be with another person here um, shortly. <laughs> but uh, I just I, – Harbaugh's doing the running up the score thing. He's just – I think defensively they're a fantastic matchup for what Michigan State kind of tries to do. Uh, and I, Michigan State's been devastated by injuries in their front seven uh, and even in their back four. I'm, I'm taking the Wolverines big. I'm taking Michigan. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I, I just think that they just have such better players, better athletes, and Michigan State's offensive play, and especially quarterback, stinks. So uh, I think they're going to have their hands full, big time moving the ball down the field. Michigan. Yeah, the, the one thing you guys have going for you, too, is think of the way they lost last year to them. That, so. that's, that's where I was going with yep. you, too. It's, I, it's just Harbaugh going to do Harbaugh things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, we could actually hit this line, Farky, with a touchdown with less than two minutes to go. Like, I, I, there's a legitimate type situation where Harbaugh does that and not really, you know, care whatsoever. I'm with you. I, I think he's this. This has blowout attempt written all over it. Preseason, this line was three, gentlemen. Wow. Three. Take the public show. Hey, preseason polls are stupid. <laughs> no, I was just I was I was just throwing it out there because I thought that was pretty cool. Speaking of blowout potential, Northwestern at Ohio State, the Buckeyes are twenty-seven point favorites this week. This is a classic take out your frustration game, and I fully expect the Buckeyes to do just that here. And, and you know they know they still have life. Their season's certainly not dead. I think they'll play much better than they did last week. I'm laying the twenty-seven here, Sean. Northwestern has tremendously improved. Urban Meyer touched on that this week um, in, in his press conference. That said, my natural pivot here after making a point on one team, I am going Ohio State, and I think it's a big uh, at 35-plus. I'm with yeah. you. I'm taking Ohio State as well. Um, just simply biased favorite team. Um, yeah, uh, just a, a, a kick their ass, come back, and, and make up for what happened last week type game. Sorry for cutting you off. Uh, we, we just all knew what you were picking, so I didn't think you were going to say anything. <laughs> we might not even let you speak anymore. I thought Parky, you were going to take favorites. Texas A&M, actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on. Gosh, this is a lot of points, guys. I mean, I think I think if they beat Penn State, this line's more around 21, but I agree with you guys. I, I, I cannot take Northwestern. I think it's going to be beat down. Give me Ohio State as well. Consensus. Farky, can you do us a favor and just like record a take about you know giving a ton of points, and then we'll just play it for all these big lines? <laughs> um, yeah, potentially. I'd, I'd have to leave Ohio State out because that's my bias pick of the week every week. So you're gonna have you're gonna be hard pressed to get me off of them at all this season. Well, here's the game you'll love, Jay. Miami, Florida at Notre Dame, baby. Here we I go. About the you. Hey, you. no, I, I want the first stab at this because you know why I love this game. I'm going back to my buddy Shell. I'm going home dog. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, God. Home dog. Home dog. I'll tell you what. I've dogged my Irish all year, but this is a, this is going to be one of those. You're Irish. <laughs> I, I chip chip away at, uh, at Shill's lead this week because I know he's taking Miami. And Miami burnt me two weeks ago, and they stink. Miami may stink, but Notre Dame is next level dookie. Brad Kaya going to light him up. Miami's going to get right. Running game. Miami's defense is perfectly suited to handle whatever the hell Notre Dame's doing. Monitor, this isn't going to go good for you. I'm taking the U. This is the game, though, where I had to I had to stray away from my Farky's fave. So if you'll notice I chose the smallest line that there was on the I'm, I'm willing, actually, to say of, of the games, to me, this is a lock. I actually oh. think this is a lock game. 
I, oh I don't. Goodness. Notre Dame hasn't shown me anything, let alone the ability. And knowing some of the roster on that Miami team, I just I think this is a perfect matchup for them, and I think it's a horrible one for Notre Dame. This is a game. I think the teams have combined eight losses, and you could easily see both quarterbacks going to the top ten in the NFL draft next year. That is funny. I, uh, I don't think Brad Kai is coming out, guys. I heard those rumors, but I mean, you, you can't pass up being the number three quarterback being a top ten pick. That, I think, is, so. He's not coming out because he got a tooth knocked out. Is that why? <laughs> he's not coming out. Well, I, actually, if he does come out, it could be because the coaching staff and he, he's just not vibing with them. But he's they've challenged him with some things, and he's not delivered this year. And you, NFL scouts. They're knowing and watching all this stuff, and wow. uh, they, they might take it easy on Kaiser because of some of the games and some of the silly coaching that Brian Kelly's had. But Brad Kelly has been just as much to blame for his production this year as as anything or anyone. So he he's lost a lot of luster. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can easily see him saying because he thinks he might fall to second, but you know. There could always be a Christian Ponder where he goes eighth overall to somebody just who desperately wants to take a shot on a quarterback. So uh, I think Luke Falk's the third quarterback at this point. Guys, I, I don't want to make a pick on this game. I, I really have no comment. Um, but the funny thing is I'm probably going to watch this cause, just because it's going to be like a car crash. I'm just going to slowly drive by it, even though I have some other place to be, just see if somebody's dead. <laughs> but uh, I – Gosh, um, I might be I might be dead actually, for being forced to watch this game. I hope I make it to eight o'clock when the baseball game starts. Uh, oh. It's not that hard. It's a pretty easy game to just you just take one turd or the other turd. Do you All want right. a soft one or do you want a hard one that you have to like really push out? <laughs> Give me the hurricanes. Oh. Man, I'm gonna have to saddle up with old Farky here, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, it, it was a, it was a it was a fun bye week for Notre Dame. Brian Kelly got the dreaded vote of confidence from the AD, which is great. Yeah. Um, this is actually a buy low spot for both teams, which is hilarious. So yeah, if you're if you're if you're any anybody out there listening and you're actually going to put real money on this game, good luck because I have no idea how you can bet this game and, and have any sort of confidence in either team. Notre Dame's awful by. They're getting points at home against a team that's reeling, so give me Notre Dame reluctantly. Let's move on to the Baylor Bears, undefeated Baylor Bears going to Texas. And, you know, this game, when I started doing some research on it, it took me back to week one. And I remember, you know, after the Notre Dame-Texas game and a tough loss from Notre Dame, I was kind of disappointed, went outside, had a beer, just kind of thought about, you know, the game and where things stood. And you're thinking as a Notre Dame fan, hey, you know what, we're going to be okay. It was a tough loss. Texas is pretty good. We're going to bounce back and be all right. Nope. Uh, Both teams were awful. (laughs) It was a display of putrid football on both sides. And now look where Texas is. Charlie Strong's probably going to get fired. Notre Dame's 2-5. and It's just funny how college football – has a way of tricking you early in the year. And and you think back to some of the thoughts you had in September as we get to November, and you're like, I can't believe I actually thought that. Unless you root for a team like Ohio State. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. that said, that said you are taking – In this game, I'm going to take the Baylor Bears. <laughs> <laughs> At least you led into it with all of that long diatribe about Notre Dame when we're talking Texas. Baylor scores a ton of points. Texas gives up, uh, I think, they're in the bottom quarter of the country in points against. I'm going Baylor. Texas sucks. This is not a pick for Baylor. or This is not a pick for Charlie Strong. This is a pick against Baylor. And here's your hot take. If Texas wins this game, Baylor's going to go from 6-0 and to 6-6. and They'll lose out. Ooh. They're playing for our brows, man. They're playing for our brows right now. He gone. <laughs> um... I'm I'm oscillating on this one. Uh, the idea of seeing total meltdown in Austin is just too enticing. I'm going to go Baylor. So that's not any practical measure behind that pick, other than uh, I just would enjoy seeing something like that. So I'm I'm taking uh, the Bears. Here, here's your motivating factor: when Baylor got the sanctions laid on them, Texas just raided their recruiting class, so they're pissed. There you go. There's your angle. Yeah, that's a decent enough one. <laughs> Although Baylor's coached by Jim Grove, and sneakily, he's been awful this year. 
<laughs> so I do I do like Shill's idea of I, I'd love for Baylor to win here and maybe even win big, and then we can just fade the hell out of them maybe the next couple weeks or in some spots. They, they played nobody. Seriously, their six toughest games are the six ones coming up. Yeah. You don't think Kansas is good? <laughs> Did they play Incarnate Word or somebody like that at the beginning of the year? Yeah, who knows? Georgia and Florida from Jacksonville. This is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, though we can't call it that anymore because we got to be politically correct. But should be low scoring. This is, I think the over-under is like 43.5, which, as Schillig would say, is NFL-ish. I'm going to take Georgia here. And the reasoning is, number one, I, I think the underdog in this rivalry has a history of, of performing well. But Florida's played two games in October. They had one canceled and they had their bye. So I'm taking Georgia here, getting seven and a half. Yeah, you kind of led me into mine. I actually like the under in this game, so I'm obviously going to take the underdog here. I just think it's too many points for a team that can't score. I know Florida's defense is good, but they can't score, so give me the seven and a half. I do like that it's a little bit of a rivalry game here. And, uh, you know, Monter, you're a big Florida-Georgia line fan, aren't you? It made oh, me think of that band when, uh, when I saw this matchup here. It actually pained me when I was Google searching this game that the first thing that came up when I typed in Florida Georgia was Florida Georgia line. Hey, that, that's <laughs> on your Google searching. That, that's just an algorithm off of what you search for. So <laughs> I know that's on you a little bit. I know that's not true. Put your windows so, down and crew. Sparky, did you go with Georgia? We don't need it saying to us. We know how sucky it is already. So <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I went with Florida. You know, uh, I guess uh, apparently Easton is the future of the SEC. So. Um, they, they got something real good going for them over in Gainesville. What? Easton <laughs> plays quarterback for Georgia. Good catch. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Texas A&M. <laughs> Who did you take? I, I took Florida. I Hey, you guys do. I, I missed on my Texas A&M take this week. so. <laughs> yeah, that one's a whole – you just redefined it. I, I don't love this. Uh, I'll say this. If Georgia can just get to 10, I think they can cover – um, cause Florida can't score, but I don't know that they can get to 10. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm taking, uh, the Bulldogs. How many times will we hear that Luke Del Rio had, uh, has a certain father? Oh God. Not much. Cause I'm not going to watch much. I was going to say, I don't think I'll be watching long enough to hear it. So I'm not worried about it. I'll be tuned into that Miami Notre Dame classic. <laughs> Washington and Utah this week. The undefeated Huskies going to Utah. Washington's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the first road test of the year for UW. Step up a competition. We know Stanford, their big, their quote-unquote big win so far has kind of turned out to be a fraud. So interesting kind of spot here for Washington. Sean, your thoughts here? What time is this game? I think it's – that's a good question. I want, I think, is that, uh, let me look. Saturday afternoon, so it's got to be 3.30. Yeah, that, that that's still fine. I love, 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 love the Washington Huskies here. Yeah, it's three thirty. I, I Utah is ridiculously banged up. They actually kind of piecemealed a game plan together last week, and I, I think it gave kind of you know folks and the, maybe the public a little bit of uh, of false hope in that regard. The, now the injuries usually the second or third game is where they take the toll. Washington's kind of, you know, clicking right now. Um, it's kind of, you know, they can build it up all practice week about this being their, their first big challenge, you know, on the road. I love this spot for Washington. It's it's another one of my locks for the week. Joe Williams is, is playing, isn't he? I mean, I know he was banged up, but he's fine, right? My understanding is they were into, like, walk-ons was, was there. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh... – Man, did I want to appease you guys and take uh, take Washington? But I, uh, screw it, I'm taking Washington. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, I, this is scary. Um, my advice is if you like Washington, take them now. If you like Utah, uh, take them at kick because I think this line is going to go way past ten. So, since it's nine and a half, I'm going to take Washington for the pod. But um, don't be surprised if I take Utah if this line gets out of control. I like that little insight there for our listeners. I'm kind of with you, Shill. Same kind of thought process. I, I I was expecting this to get close to maybe even 13 or 14, 
That's right. I, I'm thinking it might get to 14. I'm serious. Yeah, so. but I, at this point, nine and a half is not enough for me to take Utah here. So give me Washington as well. Make it a consensus pick. But again, check back at kick because if this gets close to 14. If you're playing it now, you could have a middle spot, or you might want to wait and play Utah. So let's stay tuned on that. Nebraska and Wisconsin this week, uh, kind of the one of the bigger games of the week in the Big Ten. And Nebraska is the seventh-ranked team in the country, their toughest test to date. Wisconsin's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. For me, that's too many with the kind of offense that Wisconsin has. I'm not giving eight-and-a-half. I'm taking Nebraska here. You guys? Yeah, yeah I like Nebraska. Um, yeah. I'm a little puzzled by the, the Wisconsin love. I don't know, just because they kept the night game against Ohio State close. They're, they're, they're getting this. I, I actually would have thought that this would hover around maybe, you know, four or three and a half or something. So uh, I'm all over that with Nebraska. I like the under in this game. So normally I would take Nebraska. This line is – this line stinks. It reminds me of Arkansas-Auburn last week. So reluctantly, I'm, I'm actually going to take Wisconsin here and lay the points. I'm also on Wisconsin. I, I just I can't I can't roll Tommy Armstrong. I'm sorry, can't do it. Going on Wisconsin there, Farky. Working the fight song into the pick. Nice job. Another game that I hate: Auburn and Ole Miss. This line I absolutely cannot stand. I will not be betting this game with real money. Auburn's a four and a half point favorite at Ole Miss. Thoughts, anyone? Ole Miss. Same Ole here. Miss. Puzzling line. Um, obviously got. Swindled by the Auburn line last week, yep. um, thanks to Brett Bielema, his and his you know fat gut and horse face wife. Um, well, he had a great game plan. Yeah, you could walk out there, take a steaming dump on the sidelines, and just stand over top of it and continue <laughs> to walk in it. That 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 was the Arkansas game plan uh, last week. So I mean, good job, Brett. You 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 delivered right to the point of it. Is there a coach that looks like any more of a slob in the country than him? Uh, I don't know. Dana Holgerson would like a word. <laughs> uh, uh, G- Gary Patterson. Yeah. Uh, what a disaster. He, he can't keep his shirt tucked in. Oh, can't with all that weight moving around. Yeah. Uh, this line actually opened up, uh, Old Miss opened up minus one as a favorite. So this line's already moved five and a half points. After last week, I'm not surprised everyone's pounding Auburn. But, I mean, Arkansas's bad. They can't stop the run. Old Miss has a better front and a way better offense. I'm not going to bet this, but it sounds like we're leaning toward a consensus here. Um, I'll take Ole Miss as well. Same here. I'm going to take Ole Miss also. I'm just going to keep fading Auburn until I get one right. And I just, I mean, I think the home team getting four and a half, I think Ole Miss has just as much, if not more, talent than Auburn. So in that scenario, give me the points. Clemson and Florida State. Sean, your Seminoles off a bye. Clemson off a bye as well. Four and a half point line right now in favor of Clemson. I'm going to let you break this game down for us. Clemson obviously oh. needs this game a lot more than Florida State does. Florida State's just kind of trying to play spoiler here at this point in terms of the playoff, but they are at home, and I think they have a decent shot here. What do you think? No, they don't. Uh, lined opened at three. Love Clemson. Um, we can't block their defensive tackles uh, and defensive line with um, – Lawrence Watkins and uh, Wilkins, those three guys are going to feast. Um, And they, their, their playmakers on on the outside, their offense is clicking and Florida state's offense continues to kind of be inconsistent at spots. If they don't get out and score early um, Florida state being, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those comfortable games that might get it within 10 uh, or so, but I, I kind of see it. 10 to 17 point game. I'm actually going to take Florida State. I reluctantly, but uh, just just playing at home. Just Herman James is still out, by the way. I, I, I understand, and I know Hunter uh, Hunter Renford just came back last week against NC State and actually played real well. Had a couple of real nice catches, but I, I just kind of I'm hoping this is a game where Florida State knocks them off, and it would really shake up the whole playoff picture. I think that would be intriguing. So. Uh, I'm, I'm going to roll with the Seminoles and just, uh, you know, throw injuries and all that out the door and, and think they come to play. Yeah, I, I would typically really love Florida State here. But looking at Clemson's schedule, Clemson knows if they win this, they're going to roll the championship game. They got Cuse, Pitt, South Carolina at Wake left. So 
this is the only game they have left, so I don't I don't I don't see a letdown spot or any look ahead spot here. <sighs> that being said, I'm somehow going to take Florida State. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. yeah, that was a 180. I don't I don't know I. I, I do, do though. You, you, guys, not, are, not, you guys are dead wrong. I, I, I've got the, uh, there's nothing with this team that has given me any indication that they've got the ability to beat Clemson this year. I, I, I don't. It, I maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic. I, I just I don't see there's a shot in hell. I really don't. Don't, don't, don't worry. We get it. The reverse jinx. We get it. No, there's not a reverse jinx because there's nothing. Not a whole hell of a lot to play for. Coming from the guy who picks Memphis every week. There's legitimate points with that. We already went over the bad beat of the year. <laughs> Florida State at night, Sean. I think that's the only reason why. Yeah. God damn it. And to sit here and listen to you. Sean Watson like... almost beat them two years ago at night. He beats them if um, if if uh, their one running back doesn't fumble. Yeah, right. well, I mean, I agree with your points, and they make a lot of sense, but, I mean – they almost did just get beat by NC State, and they didn't exactly look like a juggernaut in that game either. But I don't know. I'm taking Florida State reluctantly again. You, you and Schilling both almost talked me out of that pick. But, again, Florida State doesn't have to win the game. They just have to lose by four, and I'm cool. So I'm hoping they at least keep it close. I think they will for at least a little while at night, and I'm taking them at home. Speaking of Memphis, Matt. Memphis Tigers this week are hosting the Tulsa Hurricanes in the Memphis Mac game of the week. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home, fresh off a loss to Navy. And it was an interesting week in Memphis here this past week as there was an altercation between a couple of players on the football team. And one of those players in the altercation, uh, wide receiver Jalon Oglesby, had his car shot up just later on that day. Uh, in an incident that may or may not be related to the altercation that happened with his teammates. So I don't know how I could possibly bet a team with those circumstances going on inside the locker room. Yeah, give me Tulsa. I can't do it. I'm, I can't take it. about Memphis or are you talking about Baylor? Uh, we're talking about Memphis. <laughs> talking about college football at this point. I, I'm, my angle is easy. I'm just taking Memphis. I think it's a rally around the gun charges. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so simple. Let me give you the Mike Norvell quote of the week, and all he had yes. to say this week was, I will make no further comments on this matter while it remains under investigation. See, that tells me he's focused on Tulsa, <laughs> focused on the Golden Hurricane. We're on to Tulsa. Uh, give, give me Tulsa. I, I told you from the beginning, I won't, I won't renege to my listeners. I will never bet Memphis this year, ever, or pick them. Give me Tulsa. And I just want the listeners to know I tried like hell to get Memphis mad on tonight. I actually had him had him responding earlier today, asking me what time the pod is. Uh, tried to get a hold of him before we dialed in tonight. He did not respond, so He was watching sorry. face-off this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, while I was still at work, I got a picture of uh, uh, John Travolta and then Nick Cage doing a, the scream at the end after he killed him. Oh, God. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was Memphis's Matt's evening. Memphis Matt, where are you? Screw Memphis, Matt. Give me Tulsa. All right. Sean's the lone wolf picking Memphis this week. Let's uh, if they if they don't cover this week, I, I can't wait for Sean's reaction. Can't wait. I, I went. I'm resorting now to their rallying around the gun charges. There's no other <laughs> angle I can use with Memphis next week. See, but when I read the article, I realized that those two guys that got in the altercation don't even play. So part of me thinks it's just two guys that no one gives a shit about in the locker room, so they're just kind of like, man, screw these guys, whatever. Last game of the night, Washington State and Oregon State. We had to throw a little bit of Mike Leach love on here, especially for all you listeners that might be wanting a fix, staying up till 11 o'clock at night for this kickoff. Uh, Mike Leach, 13.5-point favorite at Oregon State, and Oregon State is just flat-out awful, and I'm going to use some Sean analysis. They suck, so give me Washington State. Two words, air raid. This game will be aired out. Mike Leach will be ready to go, and he's got himself a new captain spinning the wheel on the prices right. <laughs> so they're rolling. You know they're winning the toss and taking the ball. All season long. He, he just, oh, he just finally like, actually articulated why he picked him. Oh, well, that's that's kind of a letdown for me there. I don't know. I might have to go Oregon State. I thought they had a, I thought they had a you're, you're still sticking captain. with it. The line of defense <laughs> like, in this game for this not being a consensus was going to be show because – 
I knew where I was going. I had a pretty good idea where Modern was going, and I damn sure knew where Farky was going. So now it's on you, show. Is it consensus or not? I, I actually almost interrupted you guys. Like, let me talk before you all take Washington State. There's one thing Oregon State does well, and only one thing, and it's stop the pass. Give me Oregon State. Ship Not that. Pass like this. Well, if they stop the pass, then then they must be god awful atrocious at stopping the run because they're 250, 225th in the country in points against. As long as the Washington State roster wasn't infiltrated this week by the fat little girlfriends, they'll be fine. Guys, want to go over what what we have for the Thursday picks right now, or did we cover that just off of the Twitter? Well, we tweeted it out. Uh, I'll mention it here just if folks want to go back and look at it. I think, what, Sean, you had Pitt plus three and a half. I think everybody else took Virginia Tech minus three and a half. And right. as of now, that's looking pretty good. I think Virginia Tech's up 10 with uh, a few minutes to go in that game. And then Cal and USC's coming up later. We made these picks you know, this afternoon. This is Thursday, so Thursday afternoon. And the line was 16, and we all took USC. I think the line is actually 20 at this point, and the kickoff's in about 15 minutes. So uh, if you bet this game, which will be yesterday when you're listening to it, I hope if you took USC, you took it earlier in the day because it is skyrocketing right now. Yeah, it actually opened up at 14. I mean, the line made no sense. That's why that's, a, that's why I think we all took Southern Cal there. Any other games or, or issues that you guys want to discuss before we wrap this up? Um, I look, did look at SMU for a letdown spot, so I'll probably be on Tulane as well. Even though somehow Tulane's a favorite and they blow, so who knows? I'm gonna be watching that Purdue game really closely this week. Oh. <laughs> if there's one team that Farky loves to watch, it's the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's fired up for that noon kick. They're they're so terrible. Boiler up. Oh. Boy. We're the ones that bet Purdue, but Farky's the one that watches the game. Figure right. that one out. Yeah, that's correct. I haven't actually watched a Purdue game this year. He has. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have twice. And I'll tell you, the one I did watch, the Iowa game, it, it, it made it all worth it and why my picks continue to stay consistent against Purdue. <laughs> well, folks, that's about it for Week 9 uh, preview here. Uh, we're, we're still kind of in preparation mode for Games 3, 4, and 5 of the World Series this weekend. Hopeful that the Tribe can at least get one and send it back to Cleveland for uh, Game 6, maybe even a Game 7. We'll see how that plays out this weekend. Follow us on Twitter all weekend long for our picks and uh, maybe some other bets that we throw out there as well. We are at NEGPODCFB. If you want some baseball takes, you can follow us at NEGPODMLB. Make sure you also follow Luke and Jerry at Glory Podcast as well for some NFL fantasy and uh, picks analysis there. Guys, Good luck this week. Go Tribe. And we'll talk to you in week 10. Backdoor coming from Pitt. Watch out. Go group for Memphis, loser. You guys are going to hear this in your sleep. Not giving it up either. Not giving it up. It's over. I was busy gaining 480 yards a game rushing in uh, college football. <laughs> Hit the music, Jay. For the love of money.